0: Welcome to the Giants Talk Podcast. Here's Alex Pavlovich and Cole Kuyper. I know those guys. What's
1: up, listeners? Welcome to Giants Talk. I'm Cole Kuyper here with Giants insider Alex Pavlovich. Today we're going to be Giants talking about prospects. Giants got a couple on the Baseball America Top 100. Plus, Dwayne Kuyper is going to be joining us later on to talk Brandon Belt, Talk Mike Murphy and talk state of the Giants heading into spring training. Let's talk prospects, Alex. We haven't done a prospect talk in a while. I feel like when you and I first started doing Giants talk together, it was all prospect talk all the time. And then 2021 happened and the whole organization kind of pivoted away from prospects, away from the up and comers. So the Baseball America Top 100 was announced. Giants have two guys on it. Face value, that sounds like a good thing. But that is down from previous years with some of those guys who were on the top 100 previously not having gotten called up really to the big leagues.
2: Yeah, it's it's a weird thing. Like we, this is like top 100 season right here, like right before spring training. And, um, you know, there's a few lists, MLB Pipeline's doing their top 10 lists of each position. Uh, And there's always that caveat that, Like these things ultimately don't matter too much, um, or at all, really. I mean, it's just a list. Um, You know, like Logan Webb was not a top 100 guy, and and there were other Giants pitchers who were coming up at similar times or right before him who were and didn't pan out. So you just never really know. And like David VR wasn't even ever a top 10 guy in the system, and now he's potentially their, you know, likely their starting third baseman, and they hope he hits 20 homers. So these things are all just viewed from the outside and and uh they don't ultimately matter but it is nice and it's validating i think when you when you have multiple guys um on a list or you have five or six like some teams do or i think the orioles have eight uh and i i do think it it helps a little bit not just it helps your fan base get excited but also um you know around the trade deadline people start thinking about who's going to be dealt and it does i've talked to executives like it does help a little bit if if this guy is uh you know a top 20 top 30 top 40 guy it's a little bit easier to sell let's say if you're trading a Juan Soto to say we got back um and I think one of the guys that they got back in that deal is now like number 11 on Baseball America's list so it makes it easier to sell those things but ultimately doesn't matter but it's it's fun to talk about and I think it it tells you a little bit about where the system is and for the Giants that's probably a little bit disappointing that they're at this point of their rebuild reload whatever you want to call what's happened since 2018 and um it's really the same two guys who have have separated themselves it's Kyle Harrison and Marco Luciano Luciano's at 37 Harrison's at 38 and
1: Luciano is is I have kind of like it's golf rules here right I was gonna say he's down from previously but he's up he's up from previously
2: no he's, he's down from this is you had it right he, he's down from where he was
1: well if he was in the teens before down would be in the single digits Alex
2: oh yeah this is that's math this is like who's on first we could do this for, <laughs> for 20 minutes. He's pros, his number is up his prospect okay. ranking is slightly down okay uh, which is not surprising because he played like 57 games last year and and had yes. you know a back injury and um It was concerning that he came out of winter ball, that he played five games there, and and the back discomfort was there again. Now, the Giants said, Farhan said at the winter meetings, no long-term concerns. They think he's going to be okay. He'll be in camp. He should be in double A to start the year. Everything should be fine. But certainly given, you know, I think you and I have even talked about it. Like, a year ago at this time, you think Marco Luciano is potentially the number, you know, two or three prospect in baseball in yeah. 2023 like that was the path he was on that was kind of the rocket ship that he was on for a few years and and given his age these prospect lists so much of them are about how old you are and if you're 19 years old doing the same thing as a 21 year old you're just going to be way higher than him and given the fact that he was 20 going into last season like people were really really excited and I, I don't think the shine is off him as a prospect at all i mean he's still you know 37 even on this list and he's still the giants top prospect uh he still would be the centerpiece of any like massive deal they wanted to make but it was a bummer of a 2022 forum and i think that's represented here
1: i would be fascinated years from now to kind of dive in and try to suss out what minor league players were affected most by the cancellation of the minor league season in 2020 um because obviously Depending on what they were going home to, how they were able to train in the offseason, that had to have stunted development for a countless number of athletes across the world, baseball included. So I'm not saying that happened with him. I'm not saying that happened with any of the Giants guys, but we could be looking at an entirely different top 100 list sans pandemic.
2: Oh, 100%. I mean, it, it, it affected a lot of Giants guys, and I, I think you've seen it sucked for a lot of the guys who were like right on the verge of getting into full season ball and right on the verge of, mm-hmm. of uh, you know, being in a ball double a and, and those guys. And even though Luciano was in big league camp with them and and did, you know, the alternate site and all that, like, it just wasn't the same. So um, it hurt a lot of these guys. And, and I, I think one thing you're seeing is like a lot of these guys who are high on this year's lists are, are pretty recent draftees so it's guys who are in college and maybe weren't impacted quite as much but yeah the the guys who are especially international signings and um you know giants people talked about this at the winter meeting at the rule five draft and you you start thinking about putting international players uh international signees on your 40-man roster they're signing when they're 16 so they're already kind of on the clock because there's a lot of work to be done before they um, do get put on the 40 man and then these guys lost a full year so it yeah there, there's a whole group out there that got really impacted
1: it's it's brutal you know no one won from the pandemic obviously ball players are ball players they're doing the sport they love but you would have loved to have seen these guys be able to flourish at their top capacity whatever yeah. i'm getting sidetracked marco luciano what do you think his fit is when he joins the big leagues not a shortstop right this is a been long predicted he would be changing
2: positions so it's funny he was yeah I mean I, I haven't talked to a scout recently who's seen him who thinks he'll he'll stick it short I mean I I I know there's some people and some people within the Giants organization who who are kind of like you know what if we put him in like right field he could he could move pretty quickly because you, you you do learn a new position but you don't have to worry about getting to the big leagues as a shortstop it, it's a much lower yeah. bar to get there as a corner outfielder um, and he's obviously a big guy. Uh, you know, Kai Correa has always been confident that he can stick it short, but um, there's always been a, a recognition too that like, we'll see what happens as, as he gets bigger and older and, and fills out a little bit. So it was interesting because a month ago, you start looking around and going, yeah, he he could move really fast if Correa's here because Correa's a shortstop for the next, you know, eight, 10 years. Now yeah, there the still table. is, yeah, there's still nobody really behind Brandon Crawford. So um, the shortstop of the future can still be the shortstop of the future. Uh, I think this year will be a really important one for him defensively and and look to stay healthy. I mean, it's going to be important as well, but if you're having some body issues already and, and we don't know the exact nature of it, but it's always going to be more difficult when you're playing shortstop than it would be when you're playing a corner position. Um, potentially can move to third as well i mean we'll we'll see what happens with casey schmidt and, and david vr but i know the giants have tried to remain confident that he can stick it short i think people who view him externally see a position change coming
1: okay. it makes sense to me that makes sense to me guy who's not going to be changing positions fingers crossed though is kyle harrison um i'm very hyped on kyle harrison mainly because he has one of the attributes i look for most in a giants player and that's he's from the bay area yeah, from the um, they got bay. a team full of them right now he's an east bay guy went to de la salle so i can't wait to have him in the mix so we can interview him talk about bay area stuff and hopefully watch him become one of the the giants legends of yore
2: yeah i mean Luciano's probably 2024 20, is is realistic for him kyle harrison like you know May is realistic for him potentially like he's, he's going to be in triple a and you know, one, he's two or three injuries away from them being like, we just need you in the rotation. And two, he, he was so good last year that I, I think the potential is there for him to be, if he does what he did last year at two levels, if he does that at triple a, at some point, this team will find a spot for him and say, we'll figure out the rest later. Um, we'll figure out what to do with other guys or, you know, so he, he has a chance to force himself up. He also has a chance to be right there and get the call when they need pitching help, which every team always needs pitching help. So yeah, we could see him pretty quickly and, and uh, they're not shying away from the hype on that one. And and he was, you know, he was named the top left-handed pitching prospect in baseball by MLB pipeline. So it, it is, there's a lot of hype for him. Um, I was a little surprised he was this well on baseball America's list just because like, He was 95 at the beginning of last year, but you see where other guys of his caliber are. They're a little bit higher, and you just go like, I don't see anything he did last season that doesn't make me think he's like a top 15 or 20 guy. Um, I'll be honest.
1: If the main benefit of guys being on these top 100 lists is that it it improves their value in a trade, let's go ahead and call Kyle Harrison 99. Let's just kick him off the list. I don't want him traded. I want
2: him in the mix. He's not going anywhere Um, uh the main benefits really just for us to talk about and fans but yeah i was a little surprised just because you see some guys who are thought of to be about where he is as a pitcher or as a prospect by scouts who are higher up but uh you know and and certainly most people think he's the best left-handed pitching prospect in the minors so you would kind of think that's higher up but whatever it's a top 100 list so giants have two
1: players in the top 100 we've talked a good amount about how Dodgers are good, Padres are good, and the Diamondbacks are sneaky, upcoming good and are going to be a team to worry about. So Dodgers have six on the top 100 list. Sure, why not? The rich get richer. Padres have two, but the Diamondbacks have a shocking five in the top 30. You've been touting the Diamondbacks as the team to watch in the NL West for a while now, and I keep giving you kind of the I'll believe it when I see it attitude, (laughs) but this is the kind of thing that starts to get me worried.
2: Yeah cuz they have you know and we've started to see it and we saw it last year you start to see the young guys come up and we very brief we saw Corbin Carroll who's number 2 on the top 100 list um but they yeah they have five guys in like the top 27 28 so it it they they have one of the better farm systems in baseball uh they don't spend a whole lot but it yeah that, that's the type of thing where you look and you go well you're a little bit jealous of that. Like that's, that's what you want. You want that pipeline coming through. And then the Dodgers thing, like they always have five or six, no matter what. Yeah. So I don't know. Part of this too, is like, who do your people talk to scouts? Do your people talk to, to the writers who do this? The giants try to be very secretive about everything. And I think this hurts them when it comes to like these prospect lists, because they're not so hyping the Dodgers are
1: like doing the Hollywood
2: thing and sending out for your consideration. <laughs> so-and-so. Do you remember back in the day when this first started, like Red Sox prospects were always way overhyped because they're, they were just talking to the East Coast media and they were, they were getting these guys out there. So it, it's it's a much more sophisticated thing now. But um, yeah, it seems like every year the Dodgers have five, six, seven guys on these lists. And, you know, rightfully so. They, they usually graduate a lot of them and develop them. Well,
1: so Giants had five last year. Joey Bart has graduated. He's now the Giants catcher of the future. Um, But Luciano Harrison, they were on there. But Elliot Ramos is one I think worth mentioning because he plummeted. Um, He was number 60 or 87 last year, 63 before that. We saw a cup of coffee from Elliot Ramos in the big leagues. The Giants kind of given up. I don't know, given up maybe is a little too harsh of a word. But is the Elliot Ramos hype just gone?
2: Well, the prospect hype I think is is mostly gone. Okay. But he's still very young. And Farhan did mention him as somebody like they're hoping bounces back and and somebody they hope is an option for him in the outfield this season. And I, I will say, I mean, he was remember he got called up the last day of the season, like literally came back to San Diego. He was already, I talked to him that day, he was already in the gym working towards 2023 when the right. Giants called him back. So you never know. But I mean, he, he's done everything he could this offseason, I think, to put himself in a good spot. And and we'll see what he looks like in camp. And uh, he's somebody who's torn it up in Scottsdale, you know, traditionally. So I'm sure he'll have a good camp. And um, they've talked about that. They're like, we're not going to we're not going to view that again. We're not going to I don't want to say fall for that, but kind of like we're not going to see what somebody does in Scottsdale. Um, he needs to go to AAA and tear it up for a couple months because that is the hitter friendly friendly league. He has no No impediments in terms of playing time or anything like that. Like he will play every single day for the river cats. And there's a spot for him at the big leagues because, you know, we know this is an outfield full of guys who have gotten hurt. So he he will get his opportunities, but it's kind of like he's reached the point of like, prove it now. Like you've been the prospect, yes. you've been the first round pick. Um, Now you need to go out there and prove it and you need to do it on the field and and you need to, you really just need to hit. So that that's, what it comes down to for him so
1: he's he's off the top 100 I think he's even off the Giants like top 10 but I want to run through the Giants top five mention a couple of guys who didn't get named in the top 100 Casey Schmidt is their number three Grant McRae number four and Luis Matos number five who is a previous top 100 candidate any of these guys you're most excited about or maybe you think we might get a chance to see this year
2: all three of them, really. I mean, I, I think Schmidt. We will see this year. He's going to be at AAA, and and he's. We've talked a lot about him, and we will talk about him this spring. I mean, he's going to be um, part of the solution going forward for him. Just an outstanding defender who took strides at the plate. But the other two guys, like, what's exciting to me about the and I know the Giants have not had have not had a lot of success with prospects, <laughs> and and even last year was a down year for their system overall. I think what's exciting is these are kind of higher caliber players than have been top five, top Mm -hmm. 10 for the giants for most of the last decade. Um, grandma craze is ridiculously athletic for a baseball player. Like he, and, uh, you know, Casey Schmidt is a, an elite defender at third base and Luis Matos, I mean, has a ton of potential as well. So you, you look at their, at their top 10, you look at, um, you know, even beyond that, I mean, somebody like Reggie Crawford, like the sky's the limit for him. He's just, he's just got to stay healthy and he's got to figure it out. So I think there's higher upside in their system than there was. Uh, They just need to see results now, which is what last year, I think some of the disappointment for them, you mentioned Matos. I mean, he just didn't hit at high A. So he, that's part of the, part of the issue. Like they just need to see results from these guys.
1: One more prospect related question. Then we'll head towards our, uh, our mailbag question and some Dwayne Kuiper action. We've had some question marks about backup catchers. Is there any way the answer is just fast track Patrick Bailey?
2: I don't think they'll fast track him, but he is really interesting. I would encourage everybody who's given up on him to go look at his splits. He basically probably just needs to give up switch hitting and he'll be fine. And he won (laughs) a minor league gold glove and his splits are like the OPS difference is like 400 points or something like that. So the giants are aware of this. They will, you know, it's a conversation they've had internally, um, but yeah, I think people—he's so far off the radar now. But like, elite defensive catcher who potentially, you know, could move faster if if he's not a switch hitter. So yeah, he he could be part of the solution. All
1: right, All right. that's something I wouldn't mind seeing in 2023. Uh, that kind of segues me to the mailback question I pulled this year, which is the opposite: Who do Giants fans not want to see in 2023? David from Instagram wrote a long message. But I'm going to take out the part that was the question, which was inspired by the Tommy Fam New York Mets news. What players will receive the biggest boos at Oracle Park this season? Um, I find this really interesting because that's a I great think, question. Yeah, the players who come to mind for me right away, I had to check the schedule, aren't coming through. Um, Aaron Judge, it's just going to be away games. Carlos Correa probably doesn't deserve to be booed, but with all the drama, wouldn't be surprised if there would have been some booing there not coming through oracle park uh trevor bauer hopefully probably won't play major league baseball ever again so that knocks out the obvious top three bryce harper yeah so so who do you think who do you think is it just insert generic dodgers player here because that's the best i can come up with
2: that's usually the answer i think there's a very obvious answer this year and especially in this division it's fernando tatis jr it's
1: oh yeah,
2: hundred steroids
1: thing. Gotta be him. Total heel. Yeah, I okay. think it's
2: gotta be him just because of the steroids thing. So yeah, I, I all the Dodgers.
1: Yeah, so the Dodgers. What came to mind for me? I think Clayton Kershaw makes the most sense when they boo Clayton Kershaw. It's almost like applause. You're not booing Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, they Cozum, you're booing it. So. Yeah, you're booing it out of like a a sign of respect. It's it's the closest thing to a round of applause a Dodger is gonna get. So I hope. In potentially Clayton Kershaw's final year as a major league baseball pitcher, he just gets some
2: horrible boots
1: <laughs> at Oracle Park. He deserves it. We love him.
2: The problem, and I hate to bring this up, but there's only two series now for Dodgers fans to come up here. And they've <laughs> they've kind of picked one series every year the last few years to take over the yeah. ballpark.
1: That's and a good point. He's going to get a standing ovation.
2: Given what's happened this offseason and where a lot of the <laughs> fan base is, I would not be surprised if that 50-50 is even further on one t- side. So, yeah, he might get a standing ovation.
1: Yeah. All right. Fair. I hadn't thought of it that way. They Dodgers fans do travel well, and they've made that clear at Oracle Park where I, the Giants I, are, are not filling I mean, the You just well. kind
2: of have to tip your hat to that that group. Like, it's it's annoying, but... They bring like thousands of people up at the same time. So Yeah. Good it's, for them. Oh, it's and what the Giants kind of, used to do in San Diego.
1: To kind of go full circle on David's question, I, I think the Tommy Fam thing is, I don't think anyone will really remember the slap uh when the Mets come through. I think, I think that's they, pretty much the oldest news.
2: I think the New York Posts and our our good friend who writes over there, put it in their headline.
1: Oh God, did they really?
2: I don't know that it's ever going to be completely forgotten, but yeah, if he comes to San Francisco, I think it'll still be, still be, still be be noticed. Yeah.
1: All right. All right. Well, we've got Dwayne Kuyper in the waiting room. Let's bring him on and talk some Giants baseball with Kuyper. Celebrate the Year of the Rabbit at Grayton Resort & Casino with the Lucky Golden Rabbit giveaway on Friday, January 27th. One $8,000 cash winner every hour, guaranteed. Plus, sign up for the all-new Grayton Rewards program and get $25 in free slot play. Experience the best benefits in the Bay. Learn more at GraytonResortCasino.com. Complete rules available at the Rewards Center.
2: All right, we are back with Dwayne Kuyper. And I, I know last time we talked to you, um, you said something similar to, to what Farhan has said to me, which is, you know, we want to start focusing on guys who are are going to be here next season, not guys who are not. But we do have to focus on two guys a little bit who are not going to be here because they've been here a long time. And so this is kind of a goodbye. This isn't a, a Correa situation or a judge. This is a Evan Longoria and more even on a longer term, Brandon Belt, both of them were gone. I I thought at the end of the season and Cole and I talked about this, we were pretty sure Belt would probably be gone, but thought Longoria would be back. Are you surprised that they're both going to be with other teams this year?
0: I, I agree with you. I thought there was at at least a really good chance that one of those two uh, would be back. And uh, I mean, I think you can cover first, but it's, Third base is a little bit more of a difficult position to cover. Uh, if if you've got a rookie and that would be, you know, VR, uh, you know, and I thought there were at times when he really showed like, he's got a chance to be a really good big leaguer, but you go into the season with third base as a question mark. Uh, I really thought Longoria had a better chance of coming back than belt. Uh mm-hmm. If Belt was going to come back, and I think we talked about it, you know, on another show, it would have to be probably an incentive laden contract, which clearly he did not get in Toronto. Yeah. I mean, I think he's got a chance to make more money in Toronto, but his base salary looks like he did it. He got a really good deal. Uh, I mean, look, the. the I'm not the only one that's going to sit here and say there were times I really wanted to choke Brandon Bell. <laughs> and then there are other times where you just couldn't help but literally love the guy. And I think our fans went through that whole thing all the time with him. But the bottom line, it, the bottom line is, look, they won two world championships with him. But Covey can't say that. He's the one guy that can say, look, I was on two of those championship teams, and I contributed to both those World Series. So I'm going to miss the guy. I mean, you know him like I know him better than the fans know him, and he's a really engaging, entertaining guy. And, uh, and we started to see a little bit of that with the captain thing, you know, the sea. we started to see a lot more of that with him. And that really is Brandon Bell. Uh, it's just that with Buster Posey and, you know, all the other guys, they seemed to got a lot more of the attention, but once the attention was focused on him, I thought he came through with flying colors.
2: Yeah, we saw, you know, we, we saw a lot of that the last couple of years. And the last time we saw him, he was in the booth, actually, with uh, yeah. you and Mike. And I, you know, I thought it was very cool that at the end of that, he was like, let me say a little bit something about you guys. But what was your relationship with him? Because he is such a goofball and and he is somebody who I'm, uh, I'm sure you had a good time going back and forth with because you like to do that as well. So I, I would yeah. imagine that pretty early on you were like, this is somebody I can have a pretty good relationship with.
0: You know what I? I he was one of those guys where I wish that we would have been teammates because he would have been a lot of fun. And I think the guy to really ask about Brandon Bell is obviously Brandon Crawford uh, because those two guys, their lockers were right next to each other, and uh, and they had really a terrific relationship. Uh, I always go back to the story where he's playing left field in Milwaukee and there's a fly ball hit to left field, and he stumbles a little bit. And, uh, and you know, for whatever reason, I, I don't, you know, I, this sometimes is weird, <laughs> and I and I called him a baby giraffe, right? So I thought afterward, I said, well, maybe that's not something that he would enjoy. So the very next city we went to was St. Louis. And uh, sitting in the Westin restaurant, was Brandon Belt. And I think at that time, uh, it was not his wife. It was maybe his fiance, but, and I think her name is her name Haley. Yeah.
2: So I went to Haley
0: with belt sitting there and I said, look, I got to get this off my chest. Do you have a problem? And does the belt family have a problem with this baby giraffe stuff? And she looked at me and she said, I think it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) uh and he just sat there and he smiled you know he, he 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 could have cared he could have cared less one way or the other but then it kind of you know it just started to you know re- revolve into now he's at the zoo and he's hugging a giraffe you know so it really morphed into something that was really terrific and we saw the hats at the park and uh I think it gave me a little insight into him and how he wasn't going to take a lot of things serious until he crossed the lines and he played. And uh, that's what really, I appreciate him. I really appreciate about him.
1: We had him on um, summer Sunday pregame last summer, and he has had so many nicknames in his career. He had some great high school nicknames. I guess they called him like Jethro because he was looked kind of like a hick according to his coach um he called himself the captain apparently his teammates just called him bob for a while or sparky so i don't know that brandon belt has ever actually gone by his actual name
0: no i mean lopez is the one i think that that pins sparky on him because i mean i mean that's like calling wilt chamberlain shorty right the last (laughs) thing belt was was sparky you know, he, he, was, he was like, uh, uh, eh. when he struck out, he dragged his bat, you know, all the way. So Sparky, I thought was really, really cool. And he didn't care. I mean, he yeah. thought that was fine. Uh, I, You know, and I'm, I'm going to miss him. Uh, you you had to, you had to, in, in Alex would probably know this, you had to engage with him and then he was very engaging. If you waited for him to engage with you, then you weren't gonna have any relationship at all. Uh, but once you engaged with him, you know, he would lock onto that and, and and he would just be a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, he was a guy that you'd see in the clubhouse and you're like, he's on his way from run, one room to the other. If I can catch him on yeah. the way, I will have yeah. a tremendous story because I have one question to ask and I know he's yeah. gonna give, me, give yeah. me a good story. Um, we did our favorite belt memories last week. Do you have a favorite? I mean, the obvious one is, is Washington,
0: but is there anything else that stands out? Uh, well, I mean, the, the one in Washington is so obvious for us broadcasters because, you know, we were on the roof of that, that stadium in Freezing. Washington, D.C., and it was so cold. And uh, about the fifth inning, one of us had this great idea. It was really an awesome idea. Well, why don't we shut the window? So for the first time that I can ever remember, John, Dave, Mike, and I, we all agreed, shut the window. <laughs> and uh, and that's how we survived, really, the last three innings. And then, you know, Bell hit the home run, and uh, Strickland got the save. And, uh, you know, we all went back to San Francisco uh, up 2-0 in that series. So, yeah, it's hard. It's, you know, the, the other memories I have, Alex and Cole, are all the balls he hit the triples alley that were caught.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I'll, I'll bet I, I, this is just off. I'll bet he hit between 40 and 50. I mean, that, that that's 40 and 50 home runs in another ballpark. Yeah. Uh, I used to say that about when people would talk about Buster Posey's, well, you know, his numbers, you know, his home run numbers. Well, if he'd have hit it in another park, he'd have hit another 60 or 70 home runs. And all of a sudden now you don't even talk about uh, the home run difference, but yeah. And, and when they pull the fences in over the last couple of years, you could see the benefit for belt because he probably hit, I don't know, maybe five or six or, maybe even 10 more home runs than he normally would have.
1: So I could sit here and do Brandon Belt stories all day, but Alex and I talked last episode about Murph's retirement from the Giants as well. This is a big week of people leaving the organization. And <laughs> we talked about how when I was a kid, Murph was just like this legend, almost a ghost of candlestick. Um, and I had these great memories of Murph, but I was curious, do you have any memories of Murph from when you were a
0: player? Yeah. Yeah, there was a bar in Cincinnati called Barleycorns. And uh, we had, it wasn't really a team party, but we had a lot of guys in Barleycorns that night. And uh, Murph wandered up to the bar where Mike and I were sitting. And uh, I ordered 16 beers for Murph. (laughs) Line them up, 16. And I said, Murph, we're not leaving until you finish them. And Mike and I left after 10. We put somebody else in charge for the next six. And he finished them.
2: Wow.
0: And the, the the legend was, is he never went to the bathroom one time.
2: <laughs>
1: He's a camel.
0: I don't care how many people you guys know at UC Santa Barbara and Isla Vista. Nobody could do that. They cannot do that. No. No only Mike Murphy can do that.
2: I bet he was at work as, the next day too just ready to go
0: as happy as can be yep and uh you know just like couldn't wait to talk and uh, really there there, there there won't be another there won't be another individual in the organization ever like him because of how he treated each player and you know Mike Kruko likes to talk about how if you go back, after you retire into that clubhouse, the first guy to greet you and the first guy to make you feel welcome in that clubhouse. I don't care if you had two days in the big leagues or 20 years in the big leagues, he was going to welcome you back and make you feel like, uh, like you were part of the team. Uh, Murph's Shirley's a special guy. He really is. I'm going to, you know, and, you know, look, my problem is, is, so does that mean he's never coming back? I mean, does that mean he's never going to be in the clubhouse? We're never going to see him again? Well, if that's the case, then then I have a problem with that.
1: They need to set up a permanent office there for him where he's allowed to just come in whenever he wants. He has one. Well, that's what they had,
0: right, yeah. Alex?
2: Yeah, he has one. Here we it's go. First office. And,
0: I mean, what they need to do is keep it. And that's where Willie Mays would go in and yeah. sit down and Cepeda and every all the guy, older guys that would come back. Uh, look, Abe Silvestri, the traveling secretary, and Brad Brims—they'll do anything that that supports bringing Murph back for a day or two for everybody to see. They'll—they'll they'll absolutely do anything, and hopefully that—that uh, that we'll all try.
1: A big part of his lore we've heard from players is that he has a special nickname for everyone on the team. Do you remember if he had one for
0: you and Mike? Well, I nicknamed Mike Otter in uh, 1984 after the movie Animal House,
1: and to this day, he's still in your phone as Otter. I know that as a
0: fact. He is. He is, and there's only four or five people that call him Otter. Bob Renly for sure, and and Mike Murphy, and okay. uh, and I can still hear from across the room Murph going Otter, you know, <laughs> and you know Mike stops just just like that. Uh, he never really had a nickname for me other than, other than what people call me was, uh, either smoothie or, or kite. Yeah. Uh, but he took care of me there's no doubt he did. Uh, and I loved him for it. And when you walked out of that clubhouse to say goodbye, uh, he was, he was the last one to say goodbye. And when you entered the clubhouse as a new player, he was the first one to say hello. So. Uh, you know, and then, and look, that's a tradition. It's, uh, he's a special guy, but, but Brad Grimm's and Abe and those people, uh, they'll carry on that tradition.
2: They will. We, we will, uh, I should pivot to a 2023 giants question. It's go. Yeah. Uh, I'm ready. We, we talked about this last week at a roster holes. And one that really stands out to me because it, it was so talked about just from even Farhan and Gabe and, and their staff is getting better up the middle, getting better defensively up the middle, and you mentioned earlier that they're going to take that risk with David VR at third base. They're also running it back up the middle with uh with Crawford, with Estrada, with Yastrzemski, with Slater. Do you have any concerns there, or, or do you? And especially with with not a lot of depth there, as, as a former middle infielder and somebody who watched the defense last year, kind of what's your panic level on on what could happen there?
0: Well, the first thing, Alex, is is if they take the field with the people that you just mentioned, they're not bad. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's, it's not like, Oh, this is a disaster. It, we're not, it's not like that at all. I think Estrada got better. Crawford's Crawford. And Slater and Yastrzemski can be, can be really good. What I'd like to do is I'd like to see Slater really take everything, you know, at, and look, I'm not eliminating Yaz at all, but slaver has got a chance to be really good defensively. And if he could show all the analytics people that he could hit right handed pitching, I'd like to see him play a lot more just because of his defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, you know where I thought you were going with the question mark is backup catching. That's and a I know, too. <laughs> I, and I know Austin wins his back as far as, you know, they're gonna invite him to spring training and he's got a chance to make the team. But I really thought that that spot would be addressed somehow in the offseason. And uh and maybe it it still will be from now to when the team opens up at Yankee Stadium. But I guess if if and I believe Farhan and and I think that he's done a really nice job, uh he still has some time to to play around with this roster. Although he did say it's hard to do when you're protecting the 40 people that they have on this roster. I can't believe that they lost that many people in the draft. I can't. Yeah, And uh, what was it, nine?
2: It was eight, I think, off of the double-A roster. But they, they did lose a lot of guys um, who were potentially going to be yeah. you know in this mix. so it is when you look at the 40 man it, it gets interesting because and I know fans would look at it and go like, well get rid of that guy, get rid of that guy but yeah. there's not a lot of easy easy choices at this point, which explains a little bit of why they're a little hesitant to add guys on big league deals.
0: yeah and, uh, and you know uh, look, I trust I I trust the people that are making these decisions. and now I just want spring training to get started uh i've made my first flight plans to get there uh i'm leaving on the 23rd to do two radio games with john and i want to see hanniger what he looks like in a giants uniform you know i want to see stripling you know i i i i want to see these new guys i know what they look like in other uniforms so i'm gonna I want to see what they look like in a Giants uniform because sometimes they look different and I'm biased, but usually they look better.
1: So you've got kind of an idea of who you're excited to see in a Giants uniform. And I'm sure you've met many of these new guys throughout their times in the big leagues, but is there anyone you're really looking forward to getting to know in person and meeting in the dugout?
0: Someone I haven't met before. Somebody like, that impressed me like Wilmer Flores did. Yeah. 3 years ago? Would it be 3 or 4? Yeah. Uh probably probably Haniger. Because to me he's he he's Pat Burrell as far as I'm concerned. Oh, and, high uh, praise. And I'm not talking about personality wise. I know Burrell's personality it was off the charts. But I'm talking about Haniger in a Giants uniform, swinging it. So yeah, he's the first guy I'd like to meet.
1: Well, as a Bay Area kid, he might fanboy out a little getting to meet you.
0: Well, I mean, he's probably going to call me Crook. I mean, I get that, <laughs> I get that twice a day, wherever I'm at. Hey, Crook, and I, I politely say, nah, I'm the other guy, and they go,
2: Oh, okay. Well, so... I used so to get that to read all the time. Remember, Alex,
0: <laughs> I'm a Ford Frick loser twice.
2: Oh, wow, <laughs> we'll we'll run it back again. I'm glad you have your first flight booked. I have my first flight booked as well, so we're getting to that point where we're starting to get excited. And but yours is
0: earlier than mine.
2: Yeah, mine's earlier, and and uh, we'll see what the 49ers do. That could, you know, maybe everybody will be there like a week earlier. So,
0: well, that's right because the Super Bowl is in. Arizona yeah. isn't isn't the, the the big golf tournament around the same time
2: oh the it waste could management be, could be chaos so <laughs> I,
0: I'm sure it's chaos if that's yeah. the yeah
2: it would be chaos but we will be there soon we'll be sitting there in yeah. the dugout and, and uh, catching up so good catching up with you here all right but we'll do it again before we go to Scott so
0: let's do it all right guys be well